One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com/acast. Ellie's away. Australia away. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Johnson strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Hello and welcome to The Scoop. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. I'm Emily Collin. And I'm Laura Jolly. And on today's show, we're going to unpack what's been a brilliant start to the Cricket World Cup here in New Zealand with Kristen Beams. And we're also going to chat with Ash Gardner, who's had a very interesting start to the tournament. Obviously, she missed the first couple of matches with COVID, but she's come back in absolute with an absolute bang. It's been unbelievable to watch, actually. And so next on the agenda for the Aussies is the big match against India. So we haven't really seen the Aussies tested with the exception of that match against England, but... This might be the one. Do we think this is the time that the Aussies finally get tested and we see a big blockbuster World Cup game? Yeah, India have been so hot and cold so far. You look on one hand, they come out, they score 300, absolutely thrash the West Indies. Next match, rolled for 130 against England and you just don't know what India is going to show up on the day, but they do tend to bring their best against Australia and they they did beat Australia the last time the sides met in a one-dayer, ending that 26 game winning streak so I think this will definitely be Australia's biggest test so far. We're at a brand new venue we're here in Auckland where it is warm and sunny and there's lots of yachts and so what did the Aussies know about Eden Park? What do we know about Eden Park? I know absolutely nothing about Eden Park other than it's a rugby stadium. I think it's got, is it a square stadium? So yeah, I think we'll get the Aussies and myself, we'll get the first look at Eden Park tomorrow. So we'll have a training session there tomorrow. And then we've got the big day nighter on Saturday. So Aussie fans, remember you can tune into the action on Foxtel and KO and then you can keep up to everything that's going on with the Aussies on social media via cricket.com.au and of course the Aussie women's cricket team channels. But here is Beamsy. Let's unpack the start of the tournament and then we'll get to Ash Gardner. Kristen Beams, welcome back to The Scoop. I think we're about halfway through what's been an awesome World Cup over here in New Zealand so far. Beamsy, it's been a pretty unbelievable start from the Aussies, four wins from four matches. What have you made of their start to the tournament so far and what do you think is clicking so well for them right now? Well, the Australians are in amazing form and I think it's been a lot to do with they've had different contributors with the bat, which is such a nice thing in, in World Cup tournaments. I don't think they're really relying on one or two batters. I think from a bowling point of view, We've seen them use different bowlers throughout the tournament so far and some big names have been left out. And I think their ability to use different matchups, I think Meg Lanning has moved her bowlers really well and used them in really good times. Um, and I think the icing on the cake for me was the inclusion of, of Ash Gardner. 
back from COVID. I think she really is the icing on the cake. I think that ability to make big runs off few balls at the back end of an innings and be able to pick up a couple of cheeky wickets as well. I think she is going to be really critical to, to what they do moving forward. And yeah, do you think we've seen the best of them yet? Or do you think they've still got a bit in the tank to keep improving as the tournament rolls on? I've got no doubt they'd be talking about we we still haven't played that perfect game. We, we've still got more to, to give. And I think it's going to be a lot about trying to get that perfect game. I think you're always chasing the perfect game. I don't think you ever really get there. But I think they'd be looking at from a batting point of view, you know, some batters making some really big tons and and really kind of being able to put that foot on the throat from a batting point of view. And from a bowling point of view, it'll be continuing to see different uh, bowlers at different times taking the game on and, and making sure that when they get into to those late, latter stages of the tournament, that they're going to have different bowlers that can play a different role. I think if they can do that, they'll be saying, yeah, we, we are in really nice touch leading into finals. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they keep improving. And Beams, it was kind of weird throughout this summer, like throughout the WBBL, the international summer as well. There were kind of question marks and a bit of talk around Elise Perry's form. She's bowling absolutely beautifully at the moment. Have you, can you sense a change in the way she's bowling and how much of a boost is it for that Australian team when she's performing like she is at the moment? I think she's just doing the job and I think she has always sort of done that job. I think the, there's such a, the bar for, for Elise Perry is, is higher than everybody else. Um, that's a reality. Um, but I think what she's done really well is she's nearly slipped under the radar as a bowling option. There's all this talk about a Darcy Brown pace on the ball. We're talking about two leg spinners. Which spin options are they going to go with? And there's been all of that conversation. In the meantime, Elise Perry just runs in and bashes the wicket and tries to get the ball up and, and full and swing it away. And she continues to do that job. And I think that's why we're seeing her have such amazing success doing that. So she's actually underrated, which sounds a really funny thing to say about Elise Perry because she's one of the greatest players that's ever played this game. But I think she is underrated from a, a bowling point of view. And then what she does with the bat is, is very consistent and she's going to be able to play a role for Australia in that middle order as required. And again, we, we, we'll spend more time talking about Healy at the top order or Ash Gardner coming in and, and whacking them at the back end, but she will continue to do a job. And I think the Australian team and, and Matthew Mott has always known that she can do that job. I think that it's been more like there's been a whole lot of outside noise, which, you know, I think now we're seeing counts for, for very little now that we're, we're well and truly into such a big tournament. And you just mentioned all those bowling options and we've seen Australia make quite a lot of changes so far. I think 14 of the 15 players have already been used. Um, what have you you made of those changes they've made? And in particular, the, the big call to leave Jess Jonathan out of that game against New Zealand. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really few of the bowlers because you, you don't often see batters swapped in and out of the lineup just to, to test a few options out. From a bowling point of view, we, we see all of those changes changes all the time and you nearly get used to it as a bowler knowing you're going to come in and out of the lineup and I'm sure there's been so I think that the bowlers be pretty used to that um I think playing two leg spinners was always on the cards um I was calling for it but I think that, that there was always a sense that two leg spinners could really work um unfortunately that was at the expense of Jess Jonathan but I think when you've got a really competitive bowling group, you know that what you're trying to do is try and be, be in the team all of the time, even if the matchups don't necessarily suit. And I think that's what we're seeing. And I think it's bringing out the best in the, the bowling group. Um, but I really enjoyed seeing the two leg spinners play in the same team. I think they're, they're so different and they're going to offer different things. And Meg Lanning has so many options that she could have used neither of those leg spinners mm. um, and still probably got the win. So the fact that she, you know, used, Amanda Jade Wellington, but then didn't use Alana King. I think they're going to have the ability to do that with so many bowlers. And I think we're always going to spend time talking about it because there's so many options. 
then I'm sure you asked Meg Lanning at the end of the game and she goes, oh, it's just gut feel. And it's just getting those matchups right. And those matchups can be for different reasons. It can be the batters. It can be the condition of the wicket. In, in Wellington, that wind factor, I think that was a factor. I think someone like Amanda Jade Wellington can get really good flight and drop. So I wasn't surprised to see her use. And what have, on those two leggies, what have you made to the start that both Amanda J. Wellington and Alana King have made to this tournament? I mean, Kingy was brilliant against England and then we saw Alana, um, Amanda J. Wellington come in against Pakistan and take a, an unreal wicket. So, yeah, they've just been great to see them just taking wickets for fun. Yeah, and I like that they're, they're going about it their own individual ways. I think Alana King's got a little bit more pace on the ball. She's skidding into the stumps a bit more and I think she's found a really nice groove. I was... I was gutted when I watched that review and and saw that they didn't actually go to the snicker on that. It it did look like it was pad first. And I thought that was a good example of what Alana King has really been able to bring into her game. She's always been that bowler who can, he's spinning the ball away from the right hander, but to see her skid onto the stumps, that's something that's going to be really important um, for Meg Lenning to have. Um, But then you also look at Amanda Jade Wellington and, and she's going to always give that loop. She's going to get really nice bounce and turn. So you can actually genuinely look at, at saying, well, who are we playing against and, and how do we think that they're going to go about leg spin? Do they use their feet really well? Do they sweep a lot? And then trying to get those those good matchups. But I think they've both been very good. Um, will we continue to see both of them in the team? I think it'll, it will just be really dependent on how the conditions go. But I love their confidence to come in, Amanda J. Wellington, to come into that team first game, perform. And then seeing King perform as well. I think you've got two very confident leg spinners and that is worth its weight in gold. Sticking with the the topic of spin for a a minute, Ash Gardner's come back in and and been a real threat with the ball as well as with the bat. And it's probably a a part of her game that gets overlooked a bit too because everyone just thinks of how powerful she is with the bat. But how have you seen her develop as an off spinner in the last little while? Yeah, revs on the ball. So she has that ability to get really nice revolutions and, and that bounce off the wicket. So she's such a great matchup against the, the left-handers. And sometimes because she does have that really good combination with the, against the left-handers, you don't see her used as much because you've always got those leg spinning options. But I think what I would say about Ash Gardner is that when she comes in and can play a role with the ball, she seems to always play that role. And, and it nearly every time she has a ball you, and takes a few wickets, you end up going, oh, she should be bowling more. Um, but then we don't see that matchup used all the time. So again, when you're looking at the confidence of bowlers to come in and play a role, even when they're not playing that role all the time, it's been so, so good. So I think she's been excellent. I think she's a, a bowler I'd love to see bowling more domestically. I think at times mm-hmm. we haven't seen a bowl enough in the WBBL. So, um, you know, I think for, for her, if she can continue to do that, I think there's no reason why she can't be one of the highest rank spinners um, in the tables as well. And just looking around the grounds, Beamsy, if we move past Australia, it's been a very interesting start to the tournament. South Africa have had a similarly brilliant start. They're unbeaten as well as Australia. India were amazing the other day against the West Indies, two tons from their two top order batters. And England are currently trying to get on the board against India. What have you made get about what have you made of some of the displays that we've seen from some of those teams that are also vying for those semi-final spots? Yeah, I think the evenness of the the teams sitting in the in that category that you mentioned, I think is has been really good. And for that reason, we've seen some really mixed results and we've seen we've seen some really good cricket. We've seen some higher chases than I think what we've seen before. So I think the standard of cricket has been very, very good. I think that for a lot of those teams that you mentioned, I think South Africa it's going to be about their, their big name players. I think Wolvart's been excellent so far from a batting point of view. Great to see Lizelle Lee 
um, back in the lineup. So Mignon Dupria, Marizan Cat, Ishmael, I think it's going to be about their um, senior players. And they look really good to me. I think they've got some really nice balance with, within their lineup. Um, I think England, if they can get, if they can find a way through it, anything's possible for them. But they've obviously got their backs to the walls at the moment. Um, and the West Indies, you don't know what you're going to get. Um, win by 150 runs, lose by 150 runs. They're such a danger if they get deep into this tournament because if they find themselves into the the final stages, you just don't know what you're going to get. And they would be a real danger team that you wouldn't want to meet in a final for for that reason because um, they've got some some individual players that can take a game away from you. But I think for a lot of those teams, it's going to be about their best players. I'd love to see the, the Kiwis in and around. Um, I think there's some players in some really nice touch. Amelia Kerr has been so good and I still don't think we've seen the best of Sophie Devine and I think that's coming and, and that's going to be scary um, if they can make it through. England were, were really adamant that they'd parked the ashes. It wasn't still hanging over them, but um, we know there'll be a result from this India game by the time the podcast gets out. But at the time of recording, they hadn't won a single match, um, official match since leaving home in January. Do you think that is still having some sort of ability on their they're built on how they're able to win these tight ones, given they've lost three close games so far. Yeah, it's something they'd definitely be looking at. You, can, you can't not have a look at it. And, um, you know, I think you, you always want to have those beautiful media lines out there about, you know, we're moving forward, you want to say all the right things. But I think the reality is that that they haven't been able to, to shift um, some of their, their game style to, to find a way to win. And, and that's going to be really important. I think they're a team that are just very reliant on their top players, um, Brunt, Siva, um, Knight, they're going to have to play key roles. And, and I think for England to have success in this tournament, some of those players that sit underneath need to start playing a bit more of a role. Um, and we, we haven't seen that. We've seen they haven't got a consistent opening combination. I think that's a real danger leading into a World Cup when you mm. don't have consistency in your opening combination. Um, and I think I'd just like to see a little bit more from, from some of the other bowlers because I think you're putting a big load on, on Catherine Brunt in particular um, to be able to be that match winner and, and your shrub soul. And you, you know that they're not going to be able to do it every game for you. So if they can get a little bit more out of those mid-range players, anything's possible. But they haven't been playing good cricket. Um, you can't get around the fact of, of that anymore. And um, they'd be looking at, well, what do they need to do differently? And do they need to shift anything? I was actually surprised that they went into the end of the game with, with an unchanged lineup. Um, you'd normally expect to see a, a bit of a change in that lineup. But looking at looking at that game happening right now, if we assume that England can get across the line against India, they've got another big match coming up against the hosts. So New Zealand, do you think that, which will end up being crucial for both teams, do you think the White Ferns have what it takes to knock over England if they've come off a, a win against India? Yeah, I, I do think they, they can do that I think when you you look at how the both teams play I think that um, I think it'll be a really good contest and I'd like to to see um, the the New Zealand bowlers actually really kind of put the foot down and put some pressure on the the England top order um, I think Sophie Devine under bowls herself a lot Amelia Kerr's been pretty good to who who's been playing some good cricket as well but I think it's going to be that real matchup I think if New Zealand can make some inroads into the England top order it goes a long way to, to winning that game because you know that, that if a player like Heather Knight can, can score that big 100, it's always going to be a challenge. So I think that's probably going to be the matchup that's that's key for me. But I think it'll be a, a really good contest. I think we'll see some really good cricket. I think beware two teams that are, that are trying to get themselves into the final. I think it just makes for a good contest. And I hope that the cricket matches that and we see a really high scoring game. And 
um, and it go down to the wire. And the game we're really excited about here in Auckland and getting ready for over the next few days is Australia versus India at Eden Park. Big day nighter. India, the last team to beat Australia, the last time they met in September too. What do you make of this contest? And do you think they will be Australia's biggest challenge? Yeah, I think that anything's possible when you're playing against India. I think you think about Goswami v Healy and Haynes, that's a matchup that I think we're all excited to see. I think that, you know, she's the ultimate professional. She's had the ability to move the ball um, against the Australian top order. I think that's going to be really cool to see. And, and I think what we've seen from India from a batting point of view is when they've been at their best they've been attacking the bowling so have they got that ability to to really go after the Australian bowling um potentially it'll be a the pace on the ball with a Darcy Brown and then the the, the let, potentially both leg spinners as well so you know I think can they actually take on the the Australians in in that way I think that's going to be really important um I think if if India let Australia sort of go about their business and dominate the game I think it'll it'll be an easy game for Australia so mm. I think it's going to be all about India playing their attacking best you want to see Harman Preet Kaur taking the game on um and not letting it meander um in any which way but I think it's going to be a cracking contest and um yeah I Goswami v the Aussie top order that's my number one contest but I think the the, the Australian spinners um, against the the Indian middle order play like Richard Gosh, Harman Prekor. Mm. I think there's some really good options there. I think it's it's going to be really good viewing, so I can't wait for it. Jeez, you're getting us very excited, Beamsy. It's going to be unreal. Do you have a prediction for us? Do you dare? Well, I think Australia are going to win it. I'm never going to go against <laughs> Australia in, in that regard, but I think we're going to see scores over 300. Okay, love that. Just one final question, Beamsy. Do you think do you think there's any danger of Australia letting any sort of complacency complacency slip into their mindset even if as much as they say they they won't let it do you think it can happen and that could be the potential undoing of them as we move into the back end of this tournament I think there's zero chance of that and I think the reason there's zero chance of that is I think they've they've learned a whole lot of lessons from you know over the last few years and they've, they've been really good at winning world cups on the most part so they, they know how to win them but yeah. the big thing for me is actually just that internal struggle that they've got for players to actually get into the lineup. It feels a bit like the Hunger Games, who's going to actually make that Australian 11. So, you know, I look at a team like that and you think, well, you know what, when players know that if they get their opportunity, they need to make it count to try and be in the next team and the next 11 moving Mm. forward. I think they've just got a very hungry lineup knowing that they've used so many of, of their squad so far. So I don't think there'll be any complacency because I think everyone's looking at it going like, I don't want to just be in the squad for this Australian team. I actually want to be in the starting 11 because I want to be in a final um, and hopefully a World Cup final and, and win it. You want to be in that 11. So I think there's going to be plenty of fight. I, I can't see any complacency coming into it at all. Yeah, it's almost like a competition within the competition. Like you want to be playing when it really matters. Yeah, the, I always found the hardest thing as as an Australian player was actually the net sessions. I always felt that when I actually played for, for Australia, that, that was actually the easy bit. But <laughs> going up against Healy, Haynes, Lanning, Perry in the net, oh. that was so much harder for me than anything else because it was like, I need to bowl really well if I've got any chance to be in the 11. So <laughs> I reckon there's some really noisy competitive nets going on for, for Australia right now, which would be so much fun. All right. We'll keep an eye on it and let, let you know how they go. Beamsy, thank you so much as always for joining us. It's going to be an epic finish of this World Cup and we look forward to, to chatting to you as it all unfolds. And yeah, we'll catch you soon. Great. Thanks for having me. And Ash Gardner, welcome to The Scoop. Thank you for joining us here from sunny Auckland. First things first, 
how much better is it being free and winning World Cup games compared to being in quarantine? <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's good to be in Auckland. It's like you mentioned, it's nice and sunny. Um, and yeah, it's a hundred times better than being stuck in a hotel room in Christchurch. Um, but in saying that, I was still able to get out and get some fresh air daily, which was um, an absolute blessing. Because um, I think if I was cooped up for 10 days, just isolated in a room, um, that might've been even more challenging than what it already was, but it's just nice to be back playing, playing games of cricket and actually winning games of cricket as well. And it's been a pretty unbelievable return from you after having COVID. Were you a little bit concerned about how you'd come back and have you surprised yourself? Uh, I definitely was concerned. Um, I think the first probably hour after getting that positive, um, well, those two positive lines on my rat, um, there was many emotions going through my head and, Obviously, one of them was around missing games. Um, and then, of course, the second thought that followed that was, okay, I missed two games. I don't do any cricket. What am I actually going to be like when I get back um, with the team? So, yeah, there was certainly some nerves going into that game. And um, I had the reassurance from my teammates and the coaching staff just to, I guess, be confident um, in what I'd done prior to isolation. So I had to try and take as much confidence out of that. Um, the net session that we had done the day before certainly wasn't great. So there wasn't a lot of confidence going out of that net session, but just knowing that, um, I guess my natural game is good enough. Do you think like heading into those two games that you came back for, do you think your mindset shifted at all? Like when you miss a couple, do you think you sort of felt like a bit more like appreciative or grateful or just happy to be out there playing games for Australia? Yeah, I was certainly appreciative and just super stoked to be back out there. I think um, that first training session, everyone like could like definitely see how excited I was. Um, I'm not normally that excited to go to training. So um, yeah, to get out there and I was just trying to have a smile on my face and just enjoy it. Um, and I guess that led back into, into the New Zealand game as well. Um, I think the platform that was set for me made made my job a little bit easier just to go out there and have that freedom. And those innings don't always come off. Um, and I was lucky enough to, to score some runs off um, not many balls and I guess put my team in a really good position. But um, yeah, I guess just backing myself is the most important thing going into um, those games and into future games as well. And you backed it up with career best bowling figures, which is quite remarkable. Coming into this tournament, were you feeling like you were in a really good spot with your game? I know you, you recently won the BC medal. Um, yeah, I think leading into the Ashes, there was obviously um, a lot of nerves and most people would know that I wasn't in the greatest of form, but um, going into those WNCL games, that really gave me the confidence leading into the Ashes. And I felt like my batting was in a really good place. Um I was confident with, with bat and hands and obviously I probably didn't bowl as much as what I would have liked through the ashes just because of matchup reasons. Um, so then going into these next two games or just the world cup in general, I knew that I'd be playing probably a bigger role with the ball in hand. Um, cause there's obviously better matchups. There's more left-handers. So I think just trusting, like I said to you before, just trusting what I'd done in the past and knowing that that's going to be good enough, um, on this stage. And I think, just enjoying it because that's when I play my best cricket is actually when I'm having fun and um, just enjoying myself really. Yeah. And Ash, just taking you back for a bit, you did speak about the emotional roller coaster when you saw those two lines pop up in on your rat. Like, can you just sort of elaborate, elaborate, like what was going through your head and like, how has it sort of changed to where you are now? Like, was it just like so much stress around whether you're going to spread it to your team, like missing games? Was it just very stressful? It was. Um, I woke up that morning with a sore throat and I was like, uh, is it just the air con or is it actually COVID? So naturally we had to do rats leading up to 
the first game. Um, it came back with quite a faint line um, for the positive and I was like, oh, that's not good. So I sent it to the doctor and I said, I think I've got some bad news. And he's like, yeah, that's bad news. Can you do another one um, and send me the results for the 15-minute mark? And I did another one and the positive came back even clearer. So it was a definite. Um, there was no there was no, yeah, issue with that. Um, and then I won't repeat what was going through my head because there was a few expletives, but um, – yeah, it was like, there was so many emotions. Um, I was pretty upset. I, I must admit, I did shed a tear um, straight away just because knowing that how much time and effort you put into to wanting to come to a World Cup and then missing it out of um, something that's kind of out of your control was yeah pretty frustrating. Um, and then I think after about three or four hours, once it, it just kind of had um, sunken in, I just had to... I guess, change my mindset rather than it being, oh, poor me, poor me, rather than it, like just trying to take a positive out of a pretty bad situation um, and just knowing maybe that is this is the perfect time just to reset and recharge, knowing that my team is going to win games without me. They don't need me. Um, obviously, I would have loved to have been out there, but it just goes to show the, the depth of our side at the moment. Um, I wasn't in the side, but we still won pretty convincingly in those two games. I think it was Moddy who was telling us um – you were still really involved in the the bowling meetings and all that from isolation. Like, how did you fill your your time and how did you manage to still contribute from Christchurch? Yeah, I obviously had um, a lot of time at my hands. Um, yeah, I just I was obviously watching a lot of cricket. Um, I was very glad that the World Cup was actually starting, so there was cricket on every single day. Um, but I also did not enjoy watching us play, especially that um, first game against England. I was yelling at the TV. Um, (laughs) I don't know how coaches do it, to be honest, but I just felt because I was watching so much cricket and I guess getting a gauge on um, whether that was venues or teams that we were coming up against, Mm -hmm. um, still feeling like I could share my knowledge on, I guess, what what we were doing well, but also what the teams that were coming up against were doing so for me, yeah, it was still staying in contact with the spin group. We have a WhatsApp, so we tend to write notes on there um, about matchups or what we're what we're doing really well. But um, other than watching a lot of cricket, um, there was a lot of downtime. Uh, like I mentioned to you before, the the government rules were saying were or are that you can actually get out and exercise. Mm, um, game changer. That was a mm. massive game changer. Like I would spend my morning going for a walk and then being able to, I guess not let off steam, but being able to exercise and still yeah. feel like I was doing something. Um, Cause I think if I was genuinely sitting in a room for 10 days, it would have been yeah awful. Especially after just getting out of hotel quarantine to get here. <laughs> I know it was poor timing. Very, very poor timing. And were the girls pretty good at like checking in with you and seeing how you were going and making sure that you weren't getting too bored? Yeah, I had plenty of messages um, over those first couple of days when everyone was still in Christchurch. Um, there was plenty of um, offers for coffees, food. Um, and then obviously once everyone had left, um, Sean Flegler was the only one that stayed behind. Um, so he was, yeah, very accommodating. He was a great resource to have. I was very lucky that someone actually did stay back with me. Um, so, yeah, er- everyone was checking in just to make sure that I was doing okay and if I was physically um, going okay, obviously mentally as well, but I think physically just because obviously COVID 
impacts people differently. Um, and I was pretty lucky with the symptoms that I had. And so, so really aside from that, it's been a perfect start to the tournament for Australia, four wins from four games. How's the, the mood and the vibe around the group? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think we could have asked for a better start. Um, that first game was obviously probably a little bit closer than we would have liked, but I think going from that game, there was plenty of learnings to um to be had and I think we've improved uh, every game since and I think the mood's really good at the moment obviously we know that if we do win more game win one more game we're likely to be in the finals um, but I don't think there's ever going to be a point where we're going to be happy with just getting to the mm. finals we obviously want to finish the top um, we want to win as many games as possible so I think everyone's just really excited to get to the back end of this tournament and really just, I guess, show other teams what we're capable of. Yeah, and it seems like all the Aussies, like, despite you're in the middle of the World Cup, everyone seems really relaxed. We were chatting before. You've been out on the golf golf course today. Tell us how it was. How'd you hit them? And is anyone getting closer to Elisa Healy yet? Um, yeah, so there's been a few of us that have brought clubs along, um, which has been a great escape. Um, obviously, we a lot of our focus over here is, is cricket, of course, but... It's nice just to have something to switch off um, from cricket. And um, I didn't go too badly. I was um, hitting massive cover drives um, off the first couple of tees, which isn't ideal for, for golf standards, but um, that improved. We Our doctor actually plays off scratch. So he's a very good person to have um, on your team for, for tips. Um, but in regards to anyone getting close to Elisa Healy, out of the playing group, no. Um, she's obviously, she plays a lot. Um, she plays twice weekly when she's at home, so she should be good. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's just a nice thing to, to be able to go and do um, something outside of cricket. Yeah, I think maybe fans at home who, you know, don't, aren't there with the team when they tour might think that you guys, you know, train every single day when you're not playing. Um, obviously, that's not sustainable. Can you just tell us why it's so important to get that, that time away from cricket and to chill out a bit on during these big tournaments? Yeah, for sure. Um, cricket's a sport that's very consuming. Um, it's very much a mental game as it is physical. And I think once you do get those opportunities to have some downtime to do something outside of cricket, um, that's what the support um, staff want you to do. Um, mm. So any opportunity that, that we do get where there's a couple of days in between games, um, there's generally going to be one rest day in there. Um, and especially in a tournament like this where it's playing games um, or you're training. So the staff try and, I guess, put as many days off as possible. Um, training is still very important, so we still need to be doing that um, as much as possible. But I think the more that players get comfortable with their own games, um, the more optional trainings um, happen. And then that's when people tend to opt out, especially if they're in good form um, or pace bowlers like Megan Shute loves an optional training. Um obviously with, with her baby um, on tour as well. But, yeah, I think it's just really important to actually have those options there for people to, whether they want to do it or not, um, to be able to give them, yeah, the opportunity to do something outside of cricket is super important, um, especially in a pretty high-pressure situation like the World Cup. How do you approach your training? Like when you say when you go to training tomorrow, like what what will you generally try and get out of it? Um, for me, it's more about my batting. It's quality over quantity. Um I know with like a day before a game, it's generally a top-up session for, for most people. Um, if I get the choice, I generally will get um, throwdowns just to basically feel good because it's, it's no fun when you go to training and your face 
in the quicks and you're either getting out or you're just not middling them. Um, you certainly don't take confidence out of that. Um, so yeah, I think everyone's very different, but a lot of people are the same in regards to a day before a game. They just want to basically feel good. Um, and then from a bowling perspective, I genuinely don't bowl any longer than a half an hour rotation. Um, and then try and get a field in there, especially if we're playing at a new venue, um, whether there's wind or tomorrow, there's obviously we're playing a day night. So the lights and stuff like that. So you need to get used to the grounds that you're at, but um, yeah, generally I'm not one of the people that train for the longest. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So playing in a new venue, like Eden park, I know you guys got a little look at it last year for about 2.5 overs before it got washed out. Um, how do you approach the weird dimensions of that ground? Yeah, it is a strange ground to be playing cricket on. Obviously it's, um, rugby. Um, so generally speaking, the straights are always going to be quite short. Um, and there's going to be quite big pockets because it's a rectangle field. It's not supposed to be, um, probably used for cricket that often, but I think it's just getting a gauge on the ground, whether it's going to be quite quick, um, or it's going to be quite pluggy. So for that, it's obviously if balls go up in the air. Um, whether they're going to hit the turf and then race off or they're just going to kind of go nowhere. Um, and then, yeah, just for, for ground fielding as well, whether it's going to get to you a lot quicker than maybe what you expect, but, um, and also the lights, you have to get used to them. I know our training sessions in the day tomorrow, so we won't be doing any night fielding because it won't be dark yet, but I guess just being aware of that as well. Um, when you get to the ground is really important. So as we know, you guys are coming up against India on Saturday. Australia versus India matches are always fun in World Cups and it's looking like it's going to be a pretty crucial game for them. So are you guys expecting them to come out super hard and how how are you going to prepare for that one? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, one of the coaching staff mentioned, the, mentioned it the other day saying that no matter who we play, they always bring their best um, their best against us. Um, and we know what India is like. Um, we've obviously been on the back end of um, some destruction before and not to obviously talk about that, but we know what they're capable of. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's just about us being really adaptable, um, having pretty clear plans, um, plans A, B, C, if that's, if that's the case, if someone does get going. But I think just being really clear on what our matchups are as well. Um, so certain bowlers might have the wood over another batter, um, vice versa. If you're with bat in hand, um, they've obviously got some class bowlers in their side as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's certainly going to be a great battle and, and one that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, we saw um, Schmitty, Mandanar and Humphrey um, Kaur hit hundreds the other day and we know you've had a fair bit of success against Schmitty earlier in the summer. Um, do you feel like you have a big role to play as the, the offie coming up against a left-hander like her? Yeah, um, absolutely. And it's actually really cool because they've got three left-handers in their, in their top order and there's no other team apart from us really in the world that actually have that. So it's nice being someone that turns the ball away um, from the bat once in a while because um, obviously there's a lot of teams with a lot of right-handers, um, England being an example, they don't have one lefty. So it is nice to come up against them. And I think bowling to Schmidty, it's – it's a fantastic challenge because she is one of the best in the world for a reason. And she does take bowlers on. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited for that challenge. And obviously I need to work through some plans um, if she does get going, but yeah, I'm just looking forward to that. Have you like, have you changed your approach to bowling or is it like you seem to be bowling beautifully and just going from strength to strength? Is there anything you've changed in your approach or anything in particular that you've been working on? Um, or not not really, to be honest. I think the main thing for me and a lot of coaches have said it before is just making sure that I've got momentum um, in my run up and through the crease. 
Um, because if, if I'm a bit stop starty or a, a bit slow through there, that's when I tend to just have nothing on the ball. Um, so when, at least if I have momentum through my run up, then I'm actually going to have something on the ball and it's actually going to turn. So it'll be interesting what the wicket plays like. Obviously we didn't play many overs last time we were there and it was rain affected. So, um, it'll be interesting whether it is a spin friendly wicket, but yeah, there hasn't been any big changes really. I think it's just maybe a confidence thing going into, into the world cup really. And one last thing we wanted to ask you about, um, is your new range of bed linen that you announced the other week. Can you tell us uh, about that and what it's called and how it all came about? Yeah. Um, basically when I started doing, um, well started my art journey, um, back in 2020, it had, never been on my radar to ever be a part of a bed linen range. Obviously I love seeing um, Aboriginal artworks on bed linen and um, I happened to just post on Instagram and and I had a little, um, what is it? The highlights um, down the (laughs) bottom of like all the stories that I posted. And then a guy messaged my manager at the time and said, Oh, like I work for this. um, I think it's Davison homes. So basically I, get products or I get people's work and Mm. then I then try and sell it on to a bigger company. Um, So so this has been going for 18 months at least. It's it's been in the work. So this isn't something that's happened overnight. It's, it's kind of just coming to fruition now where it's um, at the, at the pointy end. But so yeah, that's been going on for a very long time. They've had to obviously get designers in to try and move the artworks around, um, get different color patterns. Um, so a lot of the um, palettes that have been used aren't exactly the same as what the artwork was. Mm. Um, basically, basically just to attract to the buyer because um, some of the colors you probably don't want on, on your bed sheets because um, they're quite bold. Oh. But, so yeah, that's been going on for yeah, 18 months. And then the name is Nun and Dira. Um, when people see it, they probably don't know if it's the N that's silent or the G that's silent, but it's Nun and Dira and that means sleep in um, my language. So it's obviously quite fitting. Um, and yeah, it hits shelves mid-April. So I'm super excited to see Huge. it in Harvey Norman. Um, yeah. I never thought it would be ever something that I'd be doing and it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's going to be unreal to see them in the shops. Is it something that you've enjoyed, like seeing it all come to life? Like have you seen the physical designs? Have you held them yet? I haven't. Um, production started end of February, um, so I'm, I'm expecting some samples, I think, the end of March, early April. So it should be perfect timing for when I get home. Um, and then I'm doing a photo shoot with them as well. So it's all pretty um, – it was certainly very random when I first, when I got the initial email, I was like, really? Like, this is, this is so strange. Um, so yeah, now to see it all kind of coming together is just, yeah, it's something that I, like I've said, never thought that I'd be a part of. It's so cool. And so now you're getting your artwork out into the world for heaps more people to enjoy. Um, you've got the Ashley Gardner Foundation. Are you really excited to be able to, um, I guess, Get, have this involvement with your culture and to to share it with people in this way? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's COVID in, in some ways has been a blessing um, to give me that extra time to actually explore things outside of cricket. Um, where in the past, because I've been away so much, I probably haven't had that time to really tap into to other things. And I've always appreciated and loved Aboriginal artwork. And to now kind of do contemporary artworks um, has been something that I've really enjoyed. And um 
and then also going back to my foundation, it's um, in the also in the pointy end um, of trying to get financial um, people on board as well, and mm. trying to get a school involved. So there's there's plenty of things happening in my life outside of cricket at the moment, which is really cool because, like I was saying to you before, um, cricket can be so consuming at times, and you, and you do need things outside of it. Um, and these have been two avenues that I never thought that I'd probably go down, but um, mm. two that I've really enjoyed. Yeah, it's all moving pretty quickly, but it's, does it sort of feel like this is kind of just the beginning and are you like, are you excited to see like how far you can take it and what the future might hold? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like I said to you, COVID was a blessing and all this kind of has started since 2020. And as as much as I've have felt like it's taken forever to kind of get the legal side of things um, mm. sorted and all that stuff. Um, I know that when I look at the bigger picture and, and look at the long-term um, effects that it can have, um, it's something that makes me really happy. And basically all I want to do is just to empower and inspire um, the First Nations communities. And I hope that's what I'm doing both on and off the field at the moment. Um, obviously, playing cricket well is is the number one thing just to get your name out there and just to to be known but to also have these other platforms to I guess leverage off um yeah is really cool and it's yeah like I said it's it's so great to have things outside of cricket yeah it's so good Ash you're doing an unreal job we can't wait to see the bed linen in its full glory at Harvey Norman we wish you all the best against India and hope you enjoy the rest of the World Cup thank you thanks for having me thanks Ash Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux, catches Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.